Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insights. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's money morphosis.com to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Welcome. It's Crystal Arnold, your hostess of Money Wise Women and founder of Money Morphosis. Hmm. We are here today um, to explore what it is to be a different type of woman. Um, it's, it's obviously an exciting time in history that seems like uh, women are rising up with greater uh, confidence and clarity and stepping into positions of leadership for example, just a few weeks ago, the day after inauguration, we saw probably hundreds of thousands of women, um, yes, around the world uh, stepping up for the Women's March and coming forth to claim, um, you know, greater voice and authenticity. And so that's one example of a bigger shift, I feel, that is happening in the world as far as the feminine qualities uh, kind of rising up. And, and essentially, as we evolve as individuals and, and then we evolve our collective systems, which I am super excited about where that intersection happens. Um, my background's in economics, and clearly we need some uh, new evolved ways of exchanging and uh, uh, new ideas around our systems called the economy. Um, and so I, I'm so thrilled uh, in meeting so many feminine leaders like today's guests who have an incredibly uh, powerful and fresh perspective on the changes that are happening um, in, in this world and how women are, uh, are evolving to, um, yeah, I, I hope you really enjoy our conversation today. My guest is uh, Suzanne Anderson. And she is a psychologist, author, executive coach, speaker, and transformational facilitator who has dedicated the past 15 years of her career in leadership development to really decoding an embodied, integral, and accelerated pathway to unlock women's innate potential through her university certificate leadership programs. Suzanne has combined her graduate studies in women's developmental psychology together with her 15 years as a leadership consultant. And Suzanne wisely guides women to make the changes in themselves that they want to shape in the world. She is the pioneer of deep feminine wisdom in the Rising Women, Rising World project a global initiative dedicated to supporting women to be pioneers 
who shape a positive future for all beings. And she is the co-author of an award-winning book, The Way of the Mysterious Woman, Upgrading How You Live, Love, and Lead. Originally from Canada, Suzanne now lives in Seattle, Washington. And I am so pleased to have you here today, Suzanne, and would love to open our conversation um, by hearing a little bit more about your journey um, to leave your high paying job and follow your higher calling to create this body of work and author this book. Great. Well, thank you, Christopher, for um, that introduction, both your own thoughts about the moment that we're in in um, culture and then um, the way that, uh, or my own experience in meeting this moment. Um, so, yes, let me go back then to that moment. There was a particular time, but, but now a little over 15 years, when I was uh, based in, in Paris, actually, and I ran the, the European office of our Toronto-based management consulting firm. And this was during the time when a lot of big multinational corporations were having to shift and become more nimble and um, share, you know, the, the old bureaucratic command and control systems were no longer uh, adequate to meet the the changes in the marketplace, especially niche players coming in like um, like we have, like Microsoft at that time, for example. Um, <clears throat> and the women who were at the senior levels of management where I was working at that time, I, I assumed, and now I realize naively, but at the time I thought, oh, they were going to be my allies, and they must be so glad to have a woman consultant working with them in their firm because there weren't very many women at that time, or many uh, compared to the number of men who were in management consulting positions. But in fact, the, the um, oh, I want to say the new structures of organization, new ways of leading that I was bringing were, were um, resisted most by the women in positions of influence at that time. And uh, that was very troubling. Not only that, did that make it hard work for me with the executive teams, but also it seemed to me that these women were also really suffering. And so, in other words, that what, what they had had to do or learn to do, and I think they did need to learn how to, to um, navigate inside these mostly masculine structures and organization, but it seemed to to um, wire a particular way of being that did not have any room for the more collaborative, sharing power, uh, caring kinds of capacities that were being needed. And, um, you know, the saying that what fires together, wires together. And so um, it was at that point that I thought, there's something broken here. I mean, we need women to, who've actually made it to these levels of influence in organizations to be shifting them and bringing in new ways of being, and they're, they seem to be frozen inside this outdated way of, um, of leading. And that led me to, um, to decide to actually leave my consulting firm because it, it just didn't seem anybody was taking care of this problem or no one had actually done the, the study of what did it mean for women to lead in ways that were more congruent for them. And um, and I started a private practice in in uh, Paris, and was full in a nanosecond, which I think really spoke to the 
to how much women were suffering at that time. And that led me then, you know, over time, over many years of research, actually 15 years of research, to to decode this pathway that's represented in my book. So that basically, I, I had I had to follow this calling. I would say it was it was um, mine to do, and nobody else seemed. I had no idea what was involved. Of course, if you pretended to know that kind of thing, you probably would never do it. <laughs> Um, but it's actually it's been a very exciting and and interesting journey, and it does seem that like what I've actually or we've actually decoded is is that perfect for this time in our cultural unfolding. Mm. Wow, that's that's such a powerful story, and and the ways in which even women who are seemingly from the outside successful and have status and, and all these things can still be suffering uh, greatly. And I really uh, commend you for addressing that, that pattern, which you saw um, in, in such a powerful way, because there really is that need for, um, I see for women to come into their own style of feminine leadership. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Mm. So let's hear some more. Uh, Could you tell us more about what a mysterious woman is? Yeah. Well, when you when because we haven't introduced that word yet, I I think I should introduce it a little bit. When you say um, feminine leadership, I think when I started the work, I that's where I thought I was heading um, to help women unlock this more feminine way of leading. But actually, over the course of hundreds of women going through our our programs, um, I began to see something else happening, which was that the, the the cultivating of the deep feminine aspects of ourselves was absolutely necessary. That was like the weak sister of the polarity between the feminine and the masculine. But it was equally important that uh, women actually cultivated their healthy masculine capacities and that in fact the feminine called yin masculine yang ways of being um co-arise together and that you can't actually look at them uh, separately and i would also make the distinction here right at the beginning that i am speaking about not gender here which is a little hard because the words feminine and masculine are of course aligned with gender but i would say they are more essences inside men and women. Uh, so men and women have a more feminine essence and a more masculine essence. Um, and, and our work was to actually study or do, the, do the, uh, the investigation into how do women develop in a way that allows them to bring online more of their feminine and masculine um, capacities in this healthy way, in this sort of Um, new way and what we found after about 10 years of doing this and kind of decoding what we even meant by feminine strengths and masculine strengths um, we found a way of being starting to arise in women who had pretty consistently that had gone through our level one and level two programs Um, and this way of being we didn't know what to call it and we began to come up with words like, okay, this is integral leadership or this is full presence leadership. And um, one day, there's a sort of linguistic um, 
merging happened of two capacities that were really dominantly present in in, in these women. One was a capacity to um, be with uncertainty, ambiguity, and the unknown, um, the mystery. So they had this ability to be with the mystery, not just actually be with it, but really partner with it, uh, recognizing that these these the ne- the sort of out of the box solutions to either personal challenges or professional um, arise from a willingness to be in that gray, uncomfortable, uncertain period and and let this new something arise out of that. That was one thing, and the other thing they had in common was uh, what what I would call a medial capacity, which basically means the ability to bridge between both the unconscious, you know, the uh, ways of knowing and the conscious, between self and other, and also medial in the sense of being able to hold a middle line um, in chaos, sort of stay centered and grounded. And so those two words sort of exploded together and created the word mysterial. So that's where I want to start. That word mysterial, which, uh, you know, at the time when when, um, it popped through, um, it was sort of a, an error, you could say. But and then we we thought, well, can can we invent a word? Like, is it okay to invent a word? And and then uh, I remember saying, well, actually, if what we're talking about is, and I would like to address this here in a moment, if we're talking about these new capacities arising in women now being capacities that are a match for the complexity of our times, then we're saying this hasn't shown up before, that this is an evolutionary move forward. Therefore, there would not be a word yet in the English language, for example, or in language to describe this way of being because it hasn't shown up yet. So then I felt, okay, we're we're calling this mysterial. Hmm. So that is a mysterial woman is um, basically what I've described there and I can I'll go into more I'm sure as we go on here. Mm. I love that. Uh so brilliant how uh just the patterns I, I love how it's the merging of these two um very important qualities uh have come together to create a new and uh it's it's just brilliant, like you said. It's it's because this is an emergent um, you know, quality and uh yeah, I well, can I, would I just say something about that? Can I add something yeah, to that please. emergent piece? Because I think probably one of the things that's the most key in our work and, and, and we really lay out in the book is an understanding of this moment in our evolution as a species. Um it is a, a, a historians and futurists would all agree we are at one of these uh, nexus points, basically, and and a lot is at stake. In fact, um, at this particular time, and often when when culture itself is seeking to make a move forward, um, it will be a kind of frothy time like this, and. What this means is, it's actually, I think Einstein summarized this very well in the quote that we all know, we've heard many times, which is, we cannot solve the problems of today 
with the same consciousness that created them yesterday. So we all go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But but what that really means is that, um, and I'm a developmentalist, so I would say that he was also. That means we actually have to develop to the next level of our consciousness. We have to develop a consciousness that can have a perspective to see how to manage the problems that the consciousness we had before created. Now, that is what's, I think, useful for women to know about that, is that when we are in one of these developmental moves, sort of nexus points, just like when we are growing, as we, like when we grew up through, through the life cycle, they're never easy. You know, puberty is not an easy time. Learning to, going from crawling to walking is not an easy time. Um, fitting into uh, a new job, not an easy time. There are all these developmental points that, that require us to kind of bear down, you could say, and do the hard work of development. But unfortunately, inside of, if we see our wholeness inside of a more heroic model of, of, um, uh, of wholeness, then we think we're done when we become an adult and we get a job and we have a partner and we have a drive a car and we have children and we, we we're paying taxes and you know we have a we sort of consider ourselves adults and then we we must be done our development and what i'm suggesting is that we are not done and that actually this particular point in time is the the pressures that we are experiencing right now are the the um, pressures to grow again, not the pressures to get a quick fix to feel better, which is in the absence of knowing that this is an evolutionary um, imperative we tend to do, but this is actually a an invitation from life itself right now to, to grow and develop into women who actually have capacities we've never seen before. So I just wanted to make that point as we, we head into the conversation here. Excellent. It's it's a really great um, framing and perspective of the significance of the change that's happening. And I feel like that is one of the things we really need in this society and in the world is, mm-hmm. is to reclaim our, our capacity as storytellers to um, make sense of these times and to have conversations and yeah. create spaces for this meaning making that really can uh, guide people's actions and lives in new ways. Yeah, exactly. And that's, what, of course, what you're doing with the podcast um, is a beautiful way to to uh, have women share their stories. And, and it is one of the, I think that's an, a very important um, point because as I was just saying I think if women know this is going on and I know from you know the many talks I've done around the world now there's enormous relief for women when they recognize their own longing for a new way of being and their the suffering inside their current more habitual structure we could say as uh, an evolutionary incentive to grow not as a failure yeah. Because in the absence of seeing this this picture right now, it seems like, wow, I've done something wrong because I seem to have gotten where I thought I wanted to get to and I am feeling 
uh, barren inside and soul dead and I'm burnt out and I'm 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 not related to my to my body. My finances are are um, an area I don't want to look at. I I'm feeling isolated and alone. I you know, and all of this just feels like like I've made a wrong turn somewhere. Um, and and so one of the first things I would want women to hear even today is to to allow the possibility that what you are experiencing right now is 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 a sign of the of basically having um outgrown your what I call inner operating system you know like when you're when our when our operating systems aren't up to all the software we're trying to run on them and we know that but we don't take the time to actually do the upgrade because we're you know, afraid we'll lose data, we might fall behind, we won't get things done. Um, it's similar. When I'm talking about this mysterious way of being, I consider this not a whole bunch of new behaviors as the place we start, but rather this uh, operating system, a way of being. This is the hard drive that needs to actually get updated to be a fit for these times. Mm. Yes, that is so profound. Uh, Just inviting people listening to let that really sink in and see how it resonates with you and whether you feel some sense of relief and like, uh, you know, Suzanne is really uh, speaking to some of your own struggles and, um, and so having worked with so many women, you've named a few, would you like to describe any more um, of the common struggles that you are seeing as people come to you? Yeah, yeah, well, I, those were a few I named. And then I'd, I'll add, um, the, this is quite a strong one, but they, there, there's a sense of, or a challenge, basically, to stay connected to the to the ground of even extremely accomplished women actually to the ground of your own being let's say your sense of self-worth and your sense of um, self-love even while in the face of powerful others so the tendency to either overextend to others and give away your perspective or or to feel you have to really like fight for it because you don't some level fundamentally feel you you can have your perspective it's um this is a in psychology we call this differentiation but it's really the ability to have self and other at the same time and really hold those two so that you can have compassion for yourself but also be able to have compassion and connection to someone else at the same time let in their perspective but also still have your own um, there's also this sense often of, you know, actually this might be a good time just to mention some of the, the liberating or the uh, limiting beliefs that um, we found consistently in yeah. women. Um, I, won't, I won't go into all of them, but um, in our developmental pathway that we, we, have, we, we decoded for women, basically how we, we grow as women, um, at, there are five different um, 
gateways, you could say, where these different yin or yang essences kind of turn on in the developmental unfolding from baby through to to elderhood. And at each one of those, as each one of those yin or yang, feminine or masculine uh, essences come online, we found consistently a deeply embodied limiting belief at each one of those. So that's to say five, as I think I mentioned. Um, the first one was, no, we never met anyone who didn't have this, let's just say. And sometimes it's very deeply in the unconscious. So a lot of behaviors have been layered on top of it to avoid feeling it. And it is that I am not enough. Mm-hmm. This deep sense of I am not enough. Now, that these these beliefs get embodied. And by embodied, I'm, I'm saying that to differentiate it from just an idea in the mind. No, these actually live in the DNA. These are in the heart, in the emotional center, and in the body itself. And um, they get formed not only by your own family of origin in the way that um, you might have been uh, parented, but by your by your own structure, whatever you come in with. Um, and then also by the culture you are a part of, your own lineage, your own family, the, the country you live in, the times you were you were growing up. Um, so I am not enough is was a pretty profound one. And we, we know from from research that over we've been in a masculine um, paradigm which has now become hyper masculine because it's at the very end of its of its ascendancy uh, of 5,000 years. So 5,000 years is a long time to have this masculine sense of um, uh, ascendancy and of um, uh, wholeness. Of course, women would feel deep in the, the DNA, I'm not enough. And then mm-hmm. another um, strong one that goes along with that is I have to do to be of value. Mm. I have to do to be of value. And, of course, it, that connects with I am not enough because what happens here is a sense that women have of I'm, I am what I do. And being um, becomes undervalued in the face of what I have to do. So you either can relate to that belief as one that you become like a super doer and you are always, you, you feel you've never done enough, basically, because you can never, you can never fulfill this sense of your value if your value is so wired into your sense of doing. Or that just seems so overwhelming, I'm not even going to try. And so mm. then women sort of capitulate, give up. Mm. Um, and another strong uh, thing that a lot of women have in common is um, a desire to make a difference in the world in some way, especially at this time you were mentioning the Women's March, which was this wonderful rising of women and men, actually, who are really standing now for feminine values walking for feminine values um, and many women I would say the, the the one thing that has happened with what's happening in the US in terms of our new president and his team um, is that we many women are being forced out of complacency now to really um, look at how do I take a stand for the things that matter to me because I really do want to make a difference somehow 
in the world, and I do want a connection to purpose. I don't want to just be working to pay the bills and and be um, and feel disconnected from my heart, from what I really love to do now. I want to make a bigger contribution. So that seems to be a, a, um, something a lot of women are feeling right now as well. I'm so glad you uh, spoke to those. Um, I've, I've found those too in, in the women that I've worked with as um, very core um, limiting beliefs. And uh, of course, you know, because um, we're working with people primarily around money issues and it shows up in so many ways in the under earning, in the um, ways that people just never feel satisfied that that they are enough and the inner critic comes in so strong for people and there's just you know the drive to consume more and spend more and try and uh, as the Buddhists describe it like this hungry ghost of of never enough and I feel like that really is a a larger trance that we are um, through through our awareness, the work that you and I offer, uh, really supporting people to wake up and repattern those limiting beliefs. Absolutely, so what, beautifully. What said, do you yeah. have to say for people, um, you know, struggling with with some of these things? Is there some advice or some perspective or or even practice that you may like to share? Yeah, well, first I'd just say, you started to say, or you did say, what um, I would agree, that it is essential, first of all, that women wake up. So this is, and we could say what's happening, uh, you know, with the election here. And actually worldwide, we're seeing similar patterns that showed up here in the United States showing up worldwide. So it is, first of all, wake up. We need to wake up. And then we need to grow up. That is the developmental work. Now, you don't think, if you think you're all grown up, then you don't realize you have to grow up. So then we actually have to do the work of development, of, of be, be willing to do the work required to, to awaken this, this uh, honestly, sometimes I think of it as a new species of woman that's emerging now to be a uh, uh, leader, to provide the leadership for this particular time. And then that's the show up. So wake up, grow up, and show up that we actually, there are things we need to do in the world um, right now. We are we, to find our own creative um, expression. And, and that um, won't be everything. That'll be, you know, we'll have to find out what is ours to do in that sense. Um, so I think to answer the the question about well where where do you start once you once you recognize that let's say you've woken up let's say you're already awake to the fact that you need to keep growing and developing and then I would say the place to start is in the first gate of our work actually um, where where I work with this limiting belief of um, the mother archetype, which is I am not enough. Here we, this is where the deepest work has to happen because this code got laid down uh, at the beginning of time. First of all, there were 50,000 years of a matriarchy. So we had a long time of this dominant mother archetype. And then we had this 5,000 years of various uh, masculine archetypes. 
Um, so we, we have, a, and then our own development, the mother archetype, of course, lights up from the very beginning in utero um, and, and at the very beginning of our lives as we are one with or we have the sense of being one with the mother in the best case scenario. So the first thing is to, um, actually, Technicon has this, this uh, beautiful quote that I will share. And he's a Buddhist teacher and based in France, Vietnamese. And he says, go back and take care of yourself. Your body needs you. Your feelings need you. Your perceptions need you. Your suffering needs you to acknowledge it. Go home and be there for all these things. So this is this is a really important place to begin, Crystal, because the body, we have left the body and the feelings behind in this hyper-masculine paradigm. And we, we need to return um, to the body and to our own direct experience and come to know ourselves more deeply and... Um, and be willing to investigate the ways in which the limiting belief of I am not enough is living in you. The liberating belief that comes online when the, that deep investigation is done and the shadow work is done is I am enough just as I am. Hmm. And that's a really different way of moving in the world. It's a very different place from which to source one's actions than uh, than I am not enough. Hmm. Yes, that that feeling of sufficiency that um, Lynn Twist talks about in the soul yeah. of money, mm-hmm. and and that being even more important than this uh, all this talk of abundance, you know, it's uh, I, I feel like this is more accurate as far as the actual healing of of this um, limiting belief. Um, hmm. So I actually have a little practice we can do, and we can do sure. right now. In fact, along that line, because Great. it's. It's um, very simple, and it and it actually comes from the very good work that um, a, a colleague of mine has done in the area of compassion. Um, research she's been doing in the area of compassion, and and so what I'd ask you to do, because this is this is the ability then um, where where we're, we're tilting here is come what Technakan was saying to to um, go home and be there for your feelings for your suffering, that you can connect with yourself. This is like the remothering of yourself, the, the way in which you, you, you um, embrace your own humanness here and what it is to be here in your life at this particular time. So um, put your hands just over your heart. I like to cross them over my heart and feel them there. And... What I'm going to ask you to do is just repeat after me the following words, and what I and then I'll recommend that you do this. How to do this in the future? The first thing is you say your name. In my case, I'm going to say uh, Suzanne. This is a moment of suffering, and then you can say that. Put your mm-hmm. own name in there, and say this is a moment of suffering. 
Crystal, this is a moment of suffering. This is hard right now. This is hard right now. We all struggle in our lives. I am not alone. We all struggle in our lives, and I am not alone. May I hold myself with tenderness in this moment. May I hold myself with tenderness in this moment. May I be kind to myself in this moment. May I be kind to myself in this moment. And then take a deep healing breath of self-compassion. And maybe, Crystal, you could just share for a moment how that felt for you. Sure. I'm I'm feeling um, a, a great deal of warmth and openness in my heart and just an expansiveness, like I'm connected with, um, <clears throat> with my own emotions and and to acknowledge them in in the presence of others that mm-hmm. this is a moment of suffering is um just feeling that uh relief once i got over the little bit of shame about even speaking that um then i felt feel great relief yeah beautiful thank you because this so this is a simple practice that I recommend you use in the moments of suffering that you will have in your day. We tend to either, as I say, override these because we're taking care of everybody else and doing all our hard work, or we over-exaggerate them. So we're, everything is about our suffering and, we're, and it's also sort of the tendency to fall into the victim mode. But this is really just simply acknowledging what is. It's such a simple practice. I personally find it very somatically soothing. And the research that um, Dr. Niff has done has actually done the brain studies to show what happens in the body and in the parasympathetic nervous system in particular. So the sympathetic nervous system kind of, when it's adrenalized and, and ready to to um, to go and try to to take care of the suffering in some way, um, it softens and relaxes. So, so mm. it's actually a, there are physiological um, corollaries to taking the time to do something simple like this. Mm. So beautiful. And um, yes, I imagine sharing it with uh, my children and, and the ways that you know yeah. we can teach emotional intelligence and self-awareness um, at, at every age. Um, so let's uh, let's take a quick break here uh, with a word from our sponsor, and then when we come back, I'd love to explore more about like in these times of great change, how does this new awareness, you know, create greater resilience for people? Um, so we will be right back in just a minute. Do you get choked up and flush talking about money? Don't let fear and shame stop you from sharing your value. Speak up, sister. Find out how to boost your financial communication skills at 
www.findyourmoneyvoice.com. Perhaps you're like Gwen, a budding, creative entrepreneur who wants to provide for her family, but she has a tough time expressing her needs. She chronically undercharges and lays awake at night with money stress. With Crystal's Find Your Money Voice training, she found renewed confidence speaking her self-worth. Transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. With greater clarity and focus, Gwen more confidently negotiated solid agreements and increased her business earnings with the trainings found at findyourmoneyvoice.com. So we are back with guest Suzanne Anderson, and we are um, talking about her book, The Way of the Mysterial Woman, Upgrading How You Live, Love, and Lead. And as we all know, these are transformational times. And so the question is how to use this energy of change um, to evolve ourselves and to adapt. And this is why I feel like uh, resilience is even more important than sustainability at this point. We don't need to sustain what was. We are actually needing to respond intelligently to changing conditions instead of reacting from a place of fear or um, uh, so resilience can be personal. It can also be about how our systems are resilient and able to be flexible and adaptable. And so I'm curious, um, Suzanne, if you'd like to speak about how this new awareness that you're bringing about the mysterious woman um, can, can help people adapt to these times of massive change that are happening in our society and economy. Yes, great. Thank you. And um I love the I think the way the, the a the something that characterizes the way of the mysterious woman is resilience for sure. Um I I often say resilience and grace. Um I think this is a good time but maybe I'll just tell this other little story of for uh, about myself actually because um I think it speaks to to this to resilience. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I I completed the book, um, the first draft of the book with my co-author, the end of of 2012, and we'd been doing the work for many many years, and over a decade, and and we're very excited to to get a publisher, which we thought we'd do in 2013, and get the book out. And then on January 3rd of 2013. Um, my husband died very tragically and very suddenly. And my life, as I knew it, was, well, dramatically changed, really within six months. In fact, all the structures of my life as I had known them were were gone. Obviously, the future I imagined and had us in till the end was gone and he was my beloved um, partner 
and support for me and my work. And um, we also had a very large estate. It was a retreat center that was not appropriate for me to be doing that on my own. And I had to sell that, and I left the community and the island that I lived on, and I changed the structures of my business um, so that it became much more simple, and I was uh, able to manage it during this really, really brutal time. And one thing that I did from the very beginning, because in a way, when we are in trauma or crisis, you draw on what you have already got installed. And what I had installed was this mysterious operating system. And um, I'm saying, telling this story because um, because it it happened. I would I would say that I was able to go through the incredibly challenging time of um, those years um, to find my way back to the book, to complete the book, to bring it out in the world, to bring myself out in the world, because I really lived the way of the mysterious woman. And so it's not, I can say that the confidence I have now about this operating system um, is cellular. I've always believed in it. I mean, I had did some good work with many, many hundreds of women in my own experience prior to this trauma. But the resilience that I uh, found in the moments that I needed to have it I would say, had everything to do with this uh, way of being that was in some ways more deeply um, baked into my hard wiring through the trauma itself. Mm. So one of the things I would say, and and the reason I I, I share that uh, story is because these are difficult times for many of us and and this isn't going to be over anytime soon in other words we've got to find the the vehicle the our own uh, our own personal vehicle or a way of being that will will hold in us for the long haul hmm. and and i like to invite women to to use these times and the pressure of them like like um, like the, how a pearl is made in an oyster. The, the, it's the sand rubbing together in the pearl that creates the oyster. Or in alchemy, the transformation from lead to, to gold comes from this very hot fire. Hmm. And that... Uh, you consider the possibility that the heat of these times can be the transformative fire that burns through some of these very old and outdated limiting beliefs that live in your very selves. So um, resilience, in other words, I don't think you're born with resilience. I think it is something that you grow through 
the very struggle itself. And actually, it's, a, it's an interesting body of research um, done by, by Daniel Coyle and others. Um, he has a book written called The Talent Code that lays some of this out. But that actually, the, 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 the new wiring, the neural network that we need that is the wiring system, we could say, for the mysterious way of being, for this new evolutionary potential unfolding, it gets laid down. The myelin gets generated through struggle, actually through the struggle. That's why many um, you know, brain studies are coming out now encouraging people to do, try new things that they haven't tried before. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, learn to play tennis with your left hand or, or uh, learn a new language or uh, do art or do something that you don't know how to do, do puzzles. Because um, doing the same thing you know how to do over and over again doesn't actually create the new network. So, in other words, the struggling itself right now in your life, if you hold that in a way that you're actually you know, using it as a way to build more capacity, can be, these can be very potent times, I actually feel. Hmm. Uh, and for that, I would say... Um, it's very important then to stay connected to your to your allies, to have places where you go to be held in these times of growth. Um, you know, Crystal, your kinds of programs, my programs, there are lots of things blossoming right now uh, in, in every field, um, places where you can come into community and be supported right now. And that seems to me really essential. There's something about what I call the we space that is really a part of our future, like how we are together. Um, so I would invite you to look around and see where are the resonant fields for you that don't just keep keep you in the same old patterns but actually pull you somewhere new. Um, I'd also say to women to remember that we cannot, each of us, take on everything in the world. Um, that's not actually helpful and that certainly isn't sustainable Mm -hmm. so find what is yours to do and this again means you have to come back to the ground of your own being because what is yours to do not what your father thought you ought to do or your mother or your friends or your partner but really what brings you alive and then do it you know Donate, organize, participate, facilitate, lead. Do do what you have to do <clears throat> to make your your own unique contribution right now. Mm. Yes. Oh, I I love your perspective. You're hitting on some really um, important uh, points there about the we space and this uh, need for vulnerability, so that we can invite the transformation. I've seen it again and again, you know, in group workshops where women are given us to be vulnerable in, in my case around money and worth and, oh my gosh, the, the breakthroughs and the transformations that happen simply from having that uh, ability to lift uh, the veil of shame and share authentically and still be accepted and feel a sense of belonging. I feel like so many people are really thirsty for that kind of belonging. So I and then really to notice, 
Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that, and then to notice that they're not alone, right? Because they're, they share, as you say, their own vulnerability in your groups or in mine or others. And, they, and then they hear another woman say the same thing. Yeah. And then another woman say their version of that. And we realize, wow, we're really in this together. Yeah. Yeah, such compassion and relief. And so I, I do encourage listeners to, to reach out and connect. And if you don't already have a group um, of women to connect with, you know, create that space. And maybe it's something simple like a book club, you know, re- reading through Suzanne's book and um, discussing that together because it really is powerful in these times. Um, and and then as as bringing that unique uh, genius forth and and those gifts and really doing what's ours to do and um, many of the women I work with are purpose driven entrepreneurs um, in the emerging generations and I'm curious if you have anything to say to um, those people who may want to become you know more effective more prosperous in their own work yeah um yeah, the first thing I think I want to say, because you're talking about <clears throat> the leaders of the future, really, I want to say, be willing to um, to do the work, this work that Crystal and I are pointing you toward. Like, don't you know? Don't be fooled by by um, uh, the quick fix sort of approach, mm-hmm. because what the invitation here is. Um, is really that you you install from a much earlier phase this an operating system that brings together all of your feminine and masculine essences that you don't a lot of the women I work with are sort of from the mid thirties on up um, and they're so so if you're younger than that or even if you're in some of the earlier phase of that category this is the time to to be to be invested in becoming what i call a mysterious woman you could say it's a woman of the this next century that can lead this ne- lead us into the future however you want to describe this way of being so therefore i think finding maps for new ways of being my book is one of them there are others out there that are pointing toward uh, ways of being and doing that um, are a match for these times. So look for those maps so that you get outside of the, the patriarchal guides that are very limiting right now and won't take you where you need to go. Um, and then, I, and then I, I would say, you know, watch your um, tendency in, in this press because there's so much we all feel we need to do to overdo and find times to be still and quiet and to be uh, have a meditation practice if you don't already, to take walks in nature, to do yoga, to, to slow yourself down um, from this hyper-information-centered world so that your limbic system can actually uh, rejuvenate for the things you do need to do. Hmm. What I so appreciate about you, Suzanne, is your uh, just 
all the research and understanding from a scientific, physiological, you know, neurological perspective that really backs up this, um, you know, more spiritual, um, you know, psycho, psycho-emotional um, topics that we've covered. I just feel like um, there is such depth to your work, um, you know, that it really is a significant uh, body of body of work. It's just, I really appreciate what you're bringing forth. And if other people are curious um, about what you've said, I'd love um, to have you share how people can get involved with your work. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I, I mean, it's actually why um, I took the time to write the book, which was quite a process, because I wanted it to be able to get in the hands of the depth of the code itself, to get in the hands of women that I would never meet. Um, so I'm delighted to say, first of all, I have, you know, get the book. And it's in Kindle and it's also online on Amazon um, because it not only lays out a lot of what I'm talking here, but we have this part two is all case studies as we walk through the code itself of women that we have worked with and how does it, what does it look like um, to to begin to do the work with the deep um limiting beliefs, and then practices in each chapter, which um, which means you can get going right away. And then I have a, a great community of mysterious women that are that are on their journey. And um, join my join the community. Get on the on my web. Uh, go to my website, which is mysterial m y s t e r i a l dot com, mysterialwoman dot com. Sorry, and sign up for my email. Actually, when you do sign up, I think you get the first few chapters free of the book. Um, but then you'll you'll be um, you'll hear the things that are happening uh, as I'm doing them. Um, and I have an introductory course called the Mysterial Leadership Essentials, which is going to the next one will be running in the spring. And then a deeper dive six month uh, Mysterial Leadership Depth Program. This cohort uh, has just started, so the next one won't be till either the fall or early next year. And then if you're in Seattle, I'm actually this weekend, February 10th and 11th, I'm teaching two workshops at the East West Bookstore. So Friday night, well, Friday night will be a talk, and uh, Saturday afternoon will be a three-hour workshop. And, you know, if you've been to East West Bookstore before, you know that they're really inexpensive. They're just a way for me to get to know you and you to get to know me and, and the book. So I'd love to have you join me there. Mm. Wow. And and what I imagine is so effective in the online program is that people have that time to integrate and not only have right. this inspiration, but have it really become part of their life. Totally. And also meet one of the reasons I went to the online format recently um, was so that they could be global. And so uh, that's actually a very exciting part that that you're meeting women from around the world who are experiencing similar things, and many become, especially in the six months depth course, become um, become friends for life and supportive mm-hmm. allies. Wow, I love that it it breaks through cultural boundaries and just is such seems like a universal code. Yes, exactly. Hmm. Um, any closing remarks, anything you'd like to share here at the end? 
Mm. Yeah, I think I, as I just uh, tune in to women that might be listening to this in the future, I think I primarily want to say that these are days that we were made for. And I invite you to to see what's happening right now in the world, not as a time that means there's less room for you and your full expression and the full expression of women, but that actually these times are the very fire we need to go through the transformation and emerge as leaders of the future. So Mm. I wish you the courage and uh, tenderness for yourself as you go through this process. Mm. Wow, thank you, Suzanne. I, I literally had chills as you um, said that. It felt like almost an upwelling of of emotion too, like brought to tears just to Mm. recognize this honor and uh, sacred responsibility we have to be alive at this time now and to trust that we are uh, equipped, uh, that we've yeah, chosen to be here, that we are able to navigate the the intensity and that we learn or know how to care for ourselves and, and really prioritize that. And so I do encourage people to take some step to find a deeper connection and understanding and to be willing to grow and um, evolve uh, at this time and uh, do encourage you to sign up and get those first uh, chapters of the Mysterial Woman book. I can tell you it spoke so directly um, to my experience as as a young woman and um, really felt so inspiring and supportive of um, stepping forth into my own power and um, ability to um, lead and to have a satisfying, prosperous life. And so I feel like you are offering an amazing uh, map towards uh, a more beautiful world that our hearts Mm. know is possible. (sighs) Yes. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Um, Yes. And everyone just, yes, have that courage and tenderness and go forth. All right. Until next week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Suzanne. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve. 